We are gathered here today to celebrate Ruby and Sapphire, two of my favorite people who combine into one of my other favorite people. You all probably know her as Garnet. She is their love, given form. But now it's your turn to talk about that. I know this is all kind of silly. I mean, we've been together for 5,750 years. And eight months. I used to feel like I wasn't much good, just one of me on my own. But when we're together, it feels like it's okay to just be me. So I want to be me with you. And, and not even the diamonds will come between us. And if they try, we'll beat them up! <laughs> Ruby, my future used to look like one single obvious stream, unbending till the end of time. In an instant, you pulled me from that destiny and opened my eye to an explosion of infinite possible futures, streaking across space and time, altered and obliterated by the smallest force of will. What I mean is, you changed my life, and then I changed your life, and now we change our lives. Right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. You already know what it is. Happy Pride Month to everyone out there. We are uh, rounding out <laughs> the final week of Pride Month with a very special episode of Carefree Black Nerd. I have a very special guest. You should be familiar with this voice by now. This voice has popped up more than a little bit. Uh, please let everyone know who's going to grace the microphone with me today. It is I, here for Pride. Marcus Haynes, <laughs> a.k.a. Lucid the Deuce, here to talk about some Yes. Yes, yes indeed, yes indeed. <laughs> oh man, okay y'all, uh, so this is pretty much going to be a conversation. This is um, Pride Month, discussing Pride characters, another aspect of representation, and um, you know, if we say anything that you agree with, disagree with, want to chime in on, use that hashtag CBNPod or CBNLGBTQ, which is the official Carefree Black Nerd queer hashtag. Uh, so jumping right in, actually, let these folks know where they can find you online in case they want to at you while listening. At me at Lucy Seduce, L-O-O-S-E-A-S-A-D-E-U-C-E. Lucy Seduce on pretty much everything. You'll find me that way, find all the things I talk about, all the black things, all the gay things, all the things that intersect with them. <laughs> yes, indeed. And of course, those links will be in the show notes as per usual. And me, Carefree Blurred on Twitter, Carefree Black Nerd everywhere else. Make this a conversation. And uh, yeah, so jumping right in. Representation, the state of the world, in the middle of Pride Month, just past Juneteenth. There is a lot going on. Uh, and then this is 2020, so it feels like we've gone through two years already and we're just at the halfway mark. So, <laughs> getting to... I like to say a lot of people complain that folks are too sensitive. They say that, why you got to put that gay shit all in my face? We're talking about TV shows and movies and such. And why does everybody got to be uh, trans, a cis, a this and that? Where's all these labels? Um, there are two ways of thinking. There's one is that, yes, everybody's sensitive. Everybody trying to label everything, whatever. That the... People who feel that way, they feel so emboldened by these statements. But then the flip side is, none of this shit is new. It's just we now have names for these things. 
Um, and a lot of this shit has been around, but with social media, a lot of voices for marginalized people have been amplified more than they have been before. Um, so that being said, when you were a kid, Saturday morning cartoons, after school cartoons, did you see, or can you recall any instances of queer representation, um, that was explicit or even if it was like subtle, but anything that seemed different from the, Oh, that's Superman and Lois Lane. This, this ain't quite that. The first thing that comes to mind is, you know, that hidden stuff. Uh huh. Um, like if you watch the proud family, mm-hmm. um, you'll, you'll see, you'll see Michael, you know, mm-hmm. he had a whole, there was a whole episode, um, of, where some of the other kids are calling him a sissy. Yeah. So you, um, you have something like that. You'll have the characters that are off to the side that seem just a little bit more flamboyant, mm-hmm. you know, a little, little fashionable. <laughs> don't always, you know, run to play the, play the sports and things like everybody else. Yeah. It was never, when I do say never, <laughs> explicit. Like, if you weren't looking, mm-hmm. you couldn't find it. Yeah, yeah, same. I even, I'll even give you one that I think was a bit more subtle, and I don't know if it was so subtle or if I was reading into it by because I was a queer kid. But that guy on Ed, Ed and Eddie, the I think he's Indian. I want to say he's Indian, but he, um, the one with plank. Yes, him. Or is he? Yes. Yeah, I don't know if he's I Indian. I don't know. He he was some type of brown. Yeah. He was something, and I was like, it, I I watched the show, I enjoyed it, but he always stood out to me like, there's something there, I there's there's something that they're not really following through with, um, yeah, yeah. You know, most people they'll they'll let like, and I think that's that's kind of the difference in our perspective. Mm-hmm. Because if you bring up Ed and Eddie in this instance, probably most people will go to uh, what's his name, Jimmy. Blitz. Yeah. Most people go to him. Mm-hmm. We ain't Jimmy. <laughs> no, true, true. Um, I try to when we decide to do this episode in my big grown adult age, I try to look back on certain girl characters, and there's a fine line I feel, and I could be wrong, between tomboy. An explicitly queer girl. I and I always went to just the girl characters that maybe had a more raspier voice because I can't having how am I saying this? Because I'm not a lesbian, I'm not a queer woman. There are things that I could look back on and they may not be a hundred percent accurate. Like um let me see. Uh okay, proud family, gross sisters. For me, I'm like, okay, maybe they were just bullies. Maybe they were just the quote-unquote the hood girls. Maybe they were the muscle, the tomboys. But when I think gross sisters and I think, oh, maybe they were quite lesbian, I think um, that's so Raven. What's um, Do you remember the tall, dark-skinned girl who was yes. part of her? That's what my mind goes to. But then I'm like, oh, is that problematic because these are a bit more masculine-presenting women? Or is it just, no, this is on brand. So I'm... I'm cautious to go there, but that's another um, childhood. No, I'm, I'm I'm with you because yeah. that's true. Like it's so much stuff that is that can be considered, you know, problematic mm-hmm. that we uh, that we see because, like Michael and um, 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 
I can't remember the kid from Eddie and Eddie. I don't either. Any of these, I'm going to say, but any of these characters, they were considered kind of problematic as well. Oh, for sure. Because, you know, Michael's whole episode was him being called a sissy and how that made him feel and how yeah. that turned him into a bully. Like, it's... There's a deep conversation there <laughs> <laughs> about how we represent, you know, queerness in just television in general. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we ain't going to win. This ain't a dissertation defense, so we ain't going to get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, I'm with you. There is. And then we also have to kind of look at the time. Uh, because we're thinking about back in the day watching cartoons where sitcoms back then had their very specific flamboyant queer character. And that's not to say there's no place for that. I would never say the Jacks. Yeah. And because that's the first person that come to mind, Jack from Will and Grace, that there's no space for a character like that. But that's back when it was more of a caricature, where it was yes. more of a this is, um, this is our gay character, this is our comic relief. This person doesn't have uh, really a thoughtful storyline. If so, it's it's always centered around this heterosexual uh, fag hag, this good girlfriend. Um, what you just said there, that yeah. comic. Is the key thing because mm-hmm. that's all the that's all the vast majority of these characters were. Yeah, well, you know they were they were they were the best friends. They were the gay accessories. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, in um, in the male presenting um, case, they were the ones that you know they helped to uplift, to help them to beautify themselves, they could find so that their good girlfriends, their good Judys could find them a man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the you know in the in the female presenting case, it was you know the, the, the like you said the extreme tomboy that yeah. wanted to play basketball. The ones that's one of the guys, mm-hmm. like it's never a person who is a person, yeah, who has their own romance, their own hopes, dreams, their own goals. It's always just used to uplift mm-hmm. um, the cishet characters, yeah, yeah. Which, again, sign of the times. I mean, I get it. So there is a bit of leeway that I can give certain shows and properties, but. All this being said, going back to that argument that why is everybody so sensitive? Why everything got to be labeled? Why is this shit all in my face? Why do my kids got to see two men holding hands? Well, you know, Tom and Sue kiss outright on all types of shows that your kid is consuming. But because Jim and Bob want to sit close on the couch, now it's a problem. Um, There, you recently, you sent me an article. or was it an article or a link where it was Cartoon Network's it was a link. Okay, celebrating Pride, and it was SpongeBob. Was that Cora from Legend of Cora? Oh, well, you're talking about because everybody had done it. Well, you're, you're talking about the Nickelodeon link. Yes, Nickelodeon. That's it. That's yeah. it. Okay. Well, yeah, it, it was SpongeBob because the creators have come out to say that um, SpongeBob is asexual. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, it was Cora. I'm gonna get off my soapbox. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Cora, who's by and. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to think who the third one was. I think it was the parents from Loud House, but I'm not 100% sure. You. Mm, yeah, possibly. I'm, I'm trying to vamp and pull it up. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I know they got a lot of backlash behind that when it's funny to me. Okay, this I'm, I'm going I'm to kick it to you this way. This is why it's funny to me. If you watch Shrek with... A niece and nephew, a kid, they're going to enjoy the film just like you're going to enjoy it, but you're going to get certain jokes 
and things that are going over their head because their kids just enjoying the film. And this is the same thing with with folks coming out saying that SpongeBob is gay. Well, you can have folks who are up in arms and mad about it, but we could see the forest for the street. We could see the shit before it even had to be announced. And that's something that I feel like a lot of groups just get, but marginalized groups specifically, you find representation where there may not be any, or you find representation where a cis-het person may have created the character of Johnny Tom, and they're writing him in a way that maybe some people in their life influence some of the things that he's doing, or maybe they're trying to get a certain message across, but to somebody who's who's queer, who's young, who's in these communities, it's coming off a different way. Um, like Kitty Pride. Uh, when she was introduced back in the 80s, um, which I don't know if it's canon that she's bisexual, but it was always that subtext of her being queer, liking women, specifically um, uh, Ilyana and Rachel Gray. Rachel Gray, Rachel Summers. What the fuck is Rachel's name? Phoenix. Okay, y'all know we one of Scott's kids. Um, <laughs> so I, I say I like to say a lot of people complaining about how oh, this is now in my face. This is this. This is that. Cartoons now are different from they were back in the day. But a lot of the creators who are making these properties now were the kids back in the day who saw the. Michael from Proud Family, who saw a home, little nigga, a little boy from um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, who saw, or who just wants to want to be represented. I, I've never watched a cartoon with a heterosexual character or bi or queer or whatnot, and they were just fucking. I never saw that. I never watched Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and then all three of them start fucking. I never watched Powerpuff Girls, and they start. I never. So to have a complaint. Why do my kids have to see this? What explicit acts are being done in these cartoons that makes that aren't? But see, but see, here's but see, here's here's the issue. It's it's the way that most um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say straight folks in this instance. Yeah. It's the way way that most straight folks look at um, gay people just in general. Mm-hmm. They cannot fathom gay existence outside of sex. Yeah. So the moment they hear, oh, well, such and such is gay, it's bi, it's pan, it's whatever, what mm-hmm. their mind automatically goes to goes to sex. Their yeah. mind automatically goes to fucking because that's all they see us as. Mm. They don't see any existence for us outside of having sex. Yeah. The moment it comes up, they're like, oh my God, they're gonna, like, I can remember back, um, this I don't, this probably wouldn't necessarily count as cartoon, but That's I can true. remember back when Burton, when they, um, mm. they mm. Burton mm-hmm. so much backlash. It was like, oh my God, how can you put this on PBS? You know, this is for kids, this is Sesame Street. And I was like, I, do y'all think that the puppets are going to start, you know, are, are they going to start talking sounds on the television show? I mean, that's not how this works. It's not. I think that we, then people need to get out of this idea that. Um, this is automatically equates to people just having sex mm-hmm. because there there are steps before that. Yeah, just like with I must say, just like with your heterosexuality, like they not gonna automatically on Disney Channel, they not gonna 
if the at the end of the day she's trying to move and they're not gonna go go <laughs> to the bedroom and start having sex. Mm-hmm. She's gonna hold hands, they're gonna kiss, mm-hmm. they're gonna say I you know, they're gonna say I care about you mm-hmm. and that's usually gonna be the extent. What mm-hmm. makes you think it's gonna be any different once you have these gay characters? Yeah. Spoiler alert, it's not <laughs> Right. Now this idea that people fear what they don't understand, I I'll say there's some truth to it. But when you have a computer in your pocket, when you have <laughs> access to the internet, you have laptops, public libraries, friends, Wi-Fi, you are able to get on Twitter and Instagram and wherever else, but you don't take the time to look up shit on your own when it's always down to the marginalized group to give you these answers because you're asking and demanding for them right then and there. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, one of my, one of my favorite sayings, Google is free. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been free. I don't think it'll ever not be free. Listen, yeah, it's the, the freest of hell. Even Bing, if you wanna, if you're scared to use Google, there's Yahoo as well. There are search engines at your disposal. YouTube is a search I'm engine. Sure you can still go find Jeeves. Yeah, I'm sure. Jeeves. I'm sure that man been it's been about oof, oof. God damn, yeah, he's around kicking somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I just it really upsets me. When that's the argument that's being made, when it's just like, this is something that's supposed to bring, like, this is something that is representing a group of people that's allowing these kids to see themselves. Because you hate your, the idea that your child could ever be on the LGBTQAI spectrum at all. The fact that you hate that Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union love their daughter. The fact that you hate, you love that Boosie is out here getting his kids these explicit sexual acts paid for, but you're co-signing this bullshit that he's talking about. It comes to a point where it's you can't keep saying, oh, it's protecting the kids. Kids gonna see shit anyways. We have phones. Like, so the shit you was doing when you was 14, 15 is amplified just by technology. Um... Y'all ain't got no issue censoring censoring your kids when you when you be out here grinding on their mamas and daddies in front of them in the living room. Man, say this, I, it's just it's 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 upsetting. It's upsetting me and my homegirls. If you can't go to Bell and OJ, where can you go? So, okay, so let's even sticking with the childhood. We discussed this, but I can't remember if it was on Twitter or what, but about the way in which. Disney villains are coded as queer. Mm-hmm. Now, give me your opinion. Is it because we're looking at it through a certain lens and we can see the uh, extravagance, the dramatic, and all of that, and say, okay, this is you know this is something that's familiar, or is it intentional? Like, yeah. what, what, okay, so what? Where do you um, fall? Let me first say, this ain't this 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 ain't my idea. I don't want whoever wrote this article that I read to think that I'm stealing <laughs> your stuff. I am not. I just. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing something like a short article that kind of they kind of introduced this idea to some years back. Yeah. And since then, I've been kind of looking back at these at these characters. I think it's a combination of things. I think that 
it is like easy to hmm. okay i think it's easy to kind of to create that kind of um i'll say binary mm-hmm. your hero and your villain because you know you want your hero you, your hero is going to be superman it's gonna yeah be big muscular you know guy the super upstanding yeah you know, young gentleman mm-hmm. like that idea so it's easy to kind of to put that up against your villain when they're, you know, not that. When they're maybe a little bit more sassy, a little mm-hmm. more black woman. I mm-hmm. think one of the best examples we can see is think of Mufasa, mm. think of Scar. Yes, absolutely. Like, it's easy to see that sort of clash between the two because they're on such different uh, ends of a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's a reason. Because it's easy to kind of to delineate between the two when you have that big sort of gap between mm-hmm. them. The other thing, and I think this is the kind of the insidious thing, the, the thing that is kind of purposeful. Yeah. Is it's easy to say that it's easy to vilify difference. Mm-hmm. It's easy to make someone that's not the same as the norm or as how people feel that they should be mm-hmm. to make them to a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to the to the scar thing. You know, Scar, he, he himself would say he's not brawny. You know, he uses his brains. Mm-hmm. He does, you know, he kind of, he slinks when he walks. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the same thing that goes in, you know, if we want to go there, it's the same thing as to why most of our villains are represented with the color black. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's easy to vilify that difference. So when we show like, oh, look at, look at this guy, look at this man person who's not being a man person. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the bad guy you could tell because if he was good, he'd be a man. Just mm-hmm. like this big strong guy over here. So it's easy to kind of to, to make that into a villain. And when we're talking about presenting media for children, we oftentimes want to make stuff as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. So that really becomes a quick shortcut. Um, I keep going back to Scar because I feel like it's probably the biggest, mm-hmm. easiest definition of our, I mean, the easiest example of our back on. But it's not just Scar. Mm-hmm. It's Jafar. My, mm. It's, it's uh, Gaston. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, I mean, if you re- um, if you want to really complicate that idea of queerness, it's Ursula. Yeah. You know, it's all of these sort of examples that we get um, because, you know, Ursula if I'm not mistaken, they say that Ursula's design was based a lot off the drag queen divine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, it's a whole lot of, it's layers. To yeah. That. It's really a bunch of layers to making that otherness, to making that, that difference mm-hmm. into something villainous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. I, um, and I wonder if with my own personal experience, I always gravitate to villains um, now I can see the story for what it is. Oh, they're the bad guy doing X, Y, and Z. But just visually, I've always, even as a child, <clears throat> like as a kid, and I, I, I don't think I could articulate this so well now, back then as I can now. But Little Mermaid, good example. I knew that something was wrong with the way Ursula was painted. Uh, spoiler for like a thirty-year-old movie, but. <laughs> Ariel signed a contract. Yeah, Ursula got in and turned into Vanessa and fucked shit up, but she still signed a contract. And now your daddy coming in, fucking shit, like trying to take care of some shit that ain't got nothing to do with him. So, um, imagery alone, Javar is one of my fa- him and Scar together is my favorite Disney villains. Period. To me, they're the same fucking person. They're the same. 
goddamn thing. So, yeah, um, to the question at hand, I think it is, like you, I would agree, it's, it's a combination of a lot. Um, I think it's something that becomes damaging. Well, maybe not so much now, because I think kids now are getting more than we did back in middle school, high school. But to be able to point out that Javar's slight, um, frail darker that he's coded in a certain way and then when you see that on like i don't know a classmate who might be a bit different than you i i just think it it, it adds to that whole i don't know social agreement that gay is bad yes no you are you are a thousand percent correct Mm. i mean it reminds me a lot of a lot of this reminds me i watched um i watched the documentary disclosure on netflix Mm -hmm. earlier Side note, free publicity. If you have not watched it, watch it right now. Like, right. Pause, pause us. Yeah. Pause us, and come back. Yes. Um, but like, it reminds me of a lot of the conversation that will be had there. Um, because Disclosure is a documentary about trans representation in the media. And one of the things that kept being brought up was how they vilified trans people. How yes. they made it so that, you know, just, just the presence, just finding out that someone was trans would cause people to like become violently sick. Yeah. There's they they show clips from a couple of movies where it's um the they tried to frame it as the trans person tricked them. Yeah. And they found out, you know, the guy who they were trying to get with went and vomited or they were disgusted. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was really violent when she like paid attention to it. But like I feel like it's the same it's the same idea. Yeah. Um, it's the same idea that you know we we are looking at media that we are fed really from birth. Mm-hmm. Is it we have one and two year olds we pop them from the television and say watch this so they can leave us alone. Mm-hmm. So it's that media that we're being fed and that teaches us more about the world than what we at that point in time know from our own experiences. Mm-hmm. So once we go into the world, we already have all these preconceived notions about so many groups of people about difference mm-hmm. in general. So we start to act out on those things. We don't we don't like to we don't like to talk about it because we like to say, Oh, it's just television, oh it's mm-hmm. just movies, oh it's just books, oh it's just music, whatever what have you. But we fail to realize the fact that these things have been working on our minds, like I said, damn near from birth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop when we get old. Mm-hmm. That's another thing we don't we don't think about. Once we, get, once we get to the point where, you know, we get to our big grown ages. Mm-hmm. These images that we're shown still can affect how we view the world. Yeah. I guarantee you right now, you walk into a college classroom and you start asking some people that's in forensic science why they want to go into this, watch how many of them say CSI. Mm-hmm. Watch how many of them say, you know, NCIS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You walk to some people that want, they say they want to be nurses, they say they want to be doctors, ask them about grades and that. Yeah. Like, it doesn't stop. And so when we when when we have these negative images, when we have these things from childhood to adulthood, mm-hmm. vilify particular groups of people. Of course we go. Of course we're gonna act on that. Of course it's gonna start to change how we see like actual real people. Yeah, it's been telling us that for thirty plus years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And here I think one of the biggest, um, and this isn't necessarily cartoon related. But honestly, Tyler Perry, and I'm not saying he's the only one, but if you look at how he handles people of different shades and how their storylines usually go, it's predictable. It is very predictable. 
He might shake it up now and then, but because it falls right in line with everything with everything yesterday we were saying. Mm-hmm. And you know, I used I used um the, the Proud family as an example. Mm-hmm. But I mean you can see it across the board with a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. Like I liked the Proud family when I was younger. Yeah. I still pretty much enjoy I still fairly much enjoy it now. Yeah. But we can't pretend that that like, that shit wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Colorism mm-hmm. is special. Yeah. Yep. Like, so when we when we say stuff like oh when we ask the question oh why are we showing this to our kids well you know I don't want them to see that no we got to mm-hmm. because if we leave it up to us or if we don't leave it or we don't do it at all there's never going to be anything positive there's never going to be any sort of change mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no I agree I agree a thousand percent um, another thing that's not necessarily queer representation but I think is important to bring up is Dijanae, her character from the Proud Family. Because we get into this space and people still do it to this day where this quote-unquote ghetto character is treated as less than. Because when you look at Dijanae, when you look at Kim from Moesha slash the Parkers, when you look at these women who are a particular body type, These women who have a particular type of energy that, quiet as it's kept, shapes a lot of the fashion industry, a lot of the trends. Um, When you get these characters, and then don't make one of these characters be queer. And even if you look at the way, and I'm trying to think of specific examples, and a lot of them come from web series. So this is kind of out of the realm of the cartoon thing. But when you see them and their sexuality handled versus the docile, all good, pure, racially ambiguous, lighter skin or white character, it's it's back to Laquisha's ghetto for gelling down her baby hairs, but Katy Perry doing it is is edgy. And that's yep. a problem. Especially yep. when she's not the originator. Um Ugh ugh so I, I think the DJNA character, though not queer or not stated as queer, I think it's still worth mentioning that, he, ugh, yeah. I mean, because because it's it's it's, it's all it's all wrapped up together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's all wrapped up together because when we like I said when we start to talk about um, why it's important, like kind of combating that energy that people put out, like why why do we need to see this? Why do we need to show this? Why do we even talk about this? Mm-hmm. It's important to show you know from different examples. Okay. You, I may be talking to a brick wall because you don't get why it's important for these queer characters to be represented. Mm-hmm. Let me let me bring this up a, a different way. Mm-hmm. Let me show you exactly why or how the media sort of shapes the media that we engage with shapes our perspectives. Mm-hmm. So you can start to see, like if you can see this with Dijonet, yeah, you can see this with Michael. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, you're right. You're absolutely right about that, and that's something that really. It's like a lot of times when consuming media, comic books, TV, video games, cartoons, I, a lot of times I feel like I'm fighting five different battles at once. And I'm not even the most marginalized of people. So that's why it's very upsetting to me and my homegirls when they're, when you get these arguments specifically about cartoons when first of all i think the argument is bullshit but i would much rather i would probably be more open to having a conversation with you if it was 
a live action show sitcom tv with real people versus a cartoon because again back to my earlier statement there is not one cartoon made for children where the characters are heterosexual bisexual pansexual or whatever and they are fucking or having intercourse on screen that's a whole nother type of show that is specifically for adults <laughs> so you can't tell me you cut no Nickelodeon Cartoon Network Fox Kids Saturday morning cartoons or any of that and you're gonna see two characters having sex so when you get the Loud House which is a newer show and there are um, there is a friend of the main character who has two dads and it's treated just as it would be if he had a mom and a dad or a single parent or a single uh, single mom or a single dad that isn't a threat to your heterosexualness that isn't a threat to your child's sexuality that's nothing but education like oh this nigga got two dads and this motherfucker got 12 sisters that's just how some families are set up so and i think that's and what you said what you said is, a, is another important point like we've gotten out of the habit of seeing this media as a possible educational tool. Mm-hmm. And I do mean two. Yeah. Because you also got to get out the habit of saying, like, oh, watch this and you'll learn. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Representation is a start. Yeah. You got to keep pushing past beyond that. Mm-hmm. So when you have this loud house, when you have this character who has, you know, who has two dads, and you have your kid, like, well, why do they have two dads? I got a mom and a dad, or I just got a mom, or I just got a dad, or whatever. Yeah. You know, you use that as a springboard to push to push forth to be like, okay, well, they have two dads because blah 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 blah. blah however, you want to frame it for your particular child. Mm-hmm. But we get mad because we don't want to do that work. Mm. You want to just plop the kid in front of the television yeah. and just be like, all right, let the TV raise you, pretty much. Yeah. Let let Netflix raise you, whatever, what have you. You don't want to do that extra work to keep going beyond just saying like, okay, this is this representation. This is what it is. And we gotta get out of there. You mm. have to. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. Of course, I am. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's another. It's like having teachers raise your kids when there should be some raising, educating going on before they get to the schoolhouse. It's like, you know, getting. You should never stop learning. Um, there's something that Dwayne Wade said, and I can't remember verbatim, but it was essentially when my daughter came to me and said X, Y, and Z, it was now my job, and this is paraphrasing, to go that extra mile, to learn about, because you can't, you, you can't honestly expect the person that is being vilified and being torn down and being oppressed to then also educate you on why this is going on, especially when this is not a conversation that is new, especially when not only is Google free, but there are tons of ways of getting information. If you wanted to get a government job as a CIA agent, you're going to more than likely Google, how do I get a government job? What are the qualifications for getting this government job? I want to be a spy like them hoes on Alias. What do I do? You run and do that with everything else. You don't, if, I guess because I am a creative and I'm in this space, I'm a bit more sensitive to this, but if I'm going to write a trans character, first thing I'm doing before even reaching out to a trans person is I'm Googling every fucking thing I can. I want to write a trans woman who's Asian. 
um, specifically second generation American. Well, then I need to Google these things that make up this person. I need to research as much as I can. So when I do eventually go to a trans person and I ask them for assistance, even if they shut me down, I still don't want to go with, well, what is it like to be trans? Like you can't, you can't expect for these people to do all the heavy lifting to make it easier for you. And seeing something on TV, even if you disagree with it, which is silly as fuck, to still be able to have that conversation with your child in a way that makes them comfortable enough that if they come, if they do have these feelings later on, or even now they can come to you, or if they never do. Another thing, at this point I feel like I'm rambling, but another thing I want to drive home is that just because a motherfucker see a motherfucker, just because a child sees something queer on TV does not make a switch go off in their head that now says, oh, fuck, fuck Jennifer. I Now I got to find fucking Thomas. That does, that's not how it works. If that was the case, everybody would be gay and then everybody would be straight and then everybody would be bi. And pe- like it, that's just not how it works. It's not, not, that's not how it works with you, person listening who thinks that. So, and this idea that just because somebody is homophobic that they're secretly gay i don't like that at all because it's like no sometimes motherfuckers is just fucking rude i don't want you to yeah like oh man so again to find out that spongebob is gay or queer or you just say asexual does not change anything that you've seen so far it does not change anything spongebob have never had sex with somebody on screen spongebob has never i don't know Nothing has happened on this show to give you pause to say, oh, this motherfucker gay. So when they come out and say that he is, there's still nothing that has happened that you can point to and say, okay, this is fucking up my kids because Spongebob is catching butterflies underwater. Just like he did before you knew that he was queer in the, on this spectrum. Like, huh. So... <laughs> with characters from our childhood right cause I'm just, uh, you, I don't this is oh another thing I want to point out I wanted to do the Marsha P. Johnson episode for this week because of the Stonewall anniversary but I also wanted to get that story out as quickly as possible so that's why that conversation started the kickoff pride versus now so there's that um so with all of the shows that we had back then where it was subtext or it was stereotypical or it wasn't it was uh Comic Relief, um, serving the main character who is Cishead, or or what what have you. Now we switch gears to 2020, 2018, 19, 2020, and we have other forms of representation that are very equal to their heterosexual counterparts and are telling entertaining stories And though the sexuality is mentioned and shown and there is backstory, it does not take away from anything you're watching. Case in point, Kipo. That shit is, that's my jam. I wish that show was around when I was a fucking kid. Like, this is the DreamWorks production. And I feel like they, personally, I feel like they've outdone themselves with representation in pretty much all aspects. Um well in most aspects and told an entertaining story full of suspense drama mystery and the sexuality that comes up is never detracts from the story because and because you, you know this 
that's people's favorite thing to say. Oh, well, it's it's, it's not real. It's it taken away from the story. Mm-hmm. No, it's <laughs> like um, because the the great thing about Kipo is that it uh, approaches things at a number of different angles. Yeah, you know, it has um, it has allegories for someone who is mixed race, black mm-hmm. characters. Yeah, um, it yep. has you know black characters that have rich backgrounds. Um, like, whew, poor wolf. Um, <laughs> and it has sort of like very natural um, queer representation because you know one of the main characters, it comes up simply organically in the conversation. Mm-hmm. One, you know, one of the characters comes up and says, "Oh, I think I like you." Like, ah, ah, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Actually>. <laughs> yes. I mean, and it's, it's and we move on from that. Like, it doesn't become this whole big coming out narrative. It doesn't turn into this like, oh my god, I have a betrayal. And none of these things really come up, mm-hmm. and we see this sort of um, organically woven out because there's a there's a later episode where you know one of the, in the first season where one of the character where this same character is like, oh well, um, they're putting this like little dream state mm-hmm. and. Lord knows, if I was a, a teenager and you put me in my idea world, hell the fuck yeah, been full, been full of boys. Sure was. Sure was, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's just real. It's treated as just an aspect of of the character. Yeah. Rather than, you know, making it this whole, like, full narrative stop with this thing that completely subsumes this person's mm-hmm. um, identity. It's just a part of them. It comes across as organically. So, one thing I like about this show, among uh, so many, is, and this is spoilers for those of you who haven't seen season one, two, I mean, you know, you can skip forward a bit, but when Kipo shows attraction to Benson, and she, what I liked about that scene in that episode is that it, it did a few things. We got confirmation that Benson is gay. Kipo, a mixed race girl who is like out of her element, it gets the brave adventure narrative, but she was able to, I think within the show, do a good job at expressing herself. I'm not a child, so a lot of shit I don't have to worry about, but if you're if you're showing this to a child who maybe um, um, has issues, I don't know, getting their feelings out or fear about what that might be or what that might look like because again your your issues are kind of amplified by your station in life when i was a kid and all i had to worry about was school shit that happened at school was the most stressful thing so i like that she was attracted to him she had her insecurities about it they had the discussion and when he let her know i'm not interested but this is the reason why it's like that whole exchange was beautiful um, I, I think it also highlighted the, 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 what, what a lot of people do, even myself included, queer people included, is that I automatically assume Benson was heterosexual. There was, let me see, I didn't put a sexuality on him in the sense that I saw him. I was like, oh, that nigga straight. But watching him and knowing how most shows go with the love interest and, you know, will they, won't they. When him and Kipo started hanging out, well, one, I know Wolf is young. She's a little kid compared to them. So I knew there wouldn't be anything there. But I was like, oh, they're going to kiss. Um, and so that's just, again, how we've been shaped 
since birth that this is what it is. This is boy girl, boy meets girl. They have a meet cute. They kiss. They hold hands. They fight monsters together and they fall in love. This completely derailed that. And uh, can I just just hop in for a second and say I love that it did. Yeah. I was about to be blown. Yes. Like, really? Yes. That, that, that. Um, I love that. I also love that Kipo, the show itself, is a post-apocalyptic type show full of blacks. We are in there. There has, prior to maybe like the last 10 years, there have not been that many, even now it's really not, that many properties, release, book, comic book, movie, whatever, that has a post-apocalyptic or a space realm where there are black people. They are predominantly white. They are a few tokens here and there. And then you have like Klingons. You have these monster type characters, which a lot of times being black, you have to, or you not have to, but a lot of times you um, project your identity onto these things. Like Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. You ask any black person what race this nigga is, they're going to come back with black. I don't give a fuck who they are. They're going to say this dude is black. Um, so that's another thing I like about Kipo. And in in, to take it a bit further, we have a post-apocalyptic world where there's a show focusing on a little brown girl with curly hair. I'm assuming it's like an afro. Um, you have a afro-Asian chick. Um, I know her skin is pink, but it's, there's no... Yeah, you you have a um, regular, well-adjusted, queer, black boy, and they are in this space. So another thing we see less than when you get to these post-apocalyptic stories, stories and shows, you don't see any trans people. I've never seen a space drama or some world and ended and this is the new society and there's been a trans person. Uh, rarely any gay people. Um, black people, like so. I, I th- this show is a lot of things that is needed, wrapped up in one. Because the kids who watch shows like this now will grow up to be the animators that make their shows later. So I'm hoping that Kipo sparks a lot of friggin' children to get to a, a space in an age where they can create their own Kipos, their own fully fleshed out worlds. Um, yeah. So, with Kipo, we have, what are some of your other shows that you enjoy or have seen that take representation today much better than when we were kids? Well, I have to gush about one of my um, favorite shows right at the moment, a Cartoon Network program by the name of Craig of the Creek. Yes. Um, I love this show. Dearly and nearly to my heart. <laughs> um, because, actually for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. like, I see so much of myself in the characters on this show. Um, because the show is sort of just built around these kids. They're, um, you know, playing in these sort of this wilderness, this creek that sort of surrounds all the houses. Mm-hmm. And they've created their own sort of society. Yeah. If you've seen. I always, I always explain it as it's like Kids Next Door meets Recess. I knew you was about to say, okay, go ahead. <laughs> yep, yep, um, yep. Like, they have like their own societies, their own 
also like culture within this space and they go on their adventures they have their fun and they do the, they do these things in the outside world and it's it's set in the present day because they still do have cell phones yeah but yeah they're like but they're exploring the great outdoors and you know i was as weird as as contrary i guess to my personality my interests as it may seem like mm-hmm. i love being outside like, okay. I love, like, going on adventures and having this type of thing outside. My imagination was my best friend. Um, so I see so much of the things that I used to do when I was younger in these kids. Um, you know, even stretching out beyond just creating, beyond just the black portions of it, because there are a whole mm-hmm. lot of black kids sprinkled mm-hmm. throughout here. A whole, entire large black family. Yes. Um, but even stretching out to some of the other kids, like one of um, one of Craig's friends, Kelsey, she is a fantasy kid. Oh. She loves to read her fantasy books. You can't tell her that she ain't a night yes. in her mind. <laughs> yes. Like, that would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's so much of myself that I see in this show, and I'm so glad to see this sort of being represented. Yeah. Uh, just from from the perspective of a young black boy, mm-hmm. I love that because that's something you never see. The mm-hmm. black boy is if at best, like the best friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We see this young black boy who's imaginative, who's creative, mm-hmm. who's real cognitive. He, you know, he pays attention. He sits back. He listens. He learns. Empathetic. Mm-hmm. Empathetic. Yes, all these sorts of things. So that in and of itself already sold me. Yeah. But then we start to get into the fact that they're not that they're not shy about addressing all sorts of things. Yeah. Like see, you know, these black kids. We see these little Hispanic kids um, speaking Spanish to each other. We mm-hmm. see. You know, we see some disabled kids. We see some Asian kids. Yeah. We see class differences. Mm-hmm. And we get to see the differences in gender performance and sexuality. Come on. Come on. Like, we get to see these kids who are not burdened down by the ways that we sort of say, like, oh, well, you got to be this. Yeah. Craig's adventure bag, like the thing where he stuffs all mm-hmm. of the stuff that he finds in his adventures, it's technically a coin purse. Yeah. Nobody really cares about that. Nobody brings that up because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, we see um, these characters who, you know, with our adult eyes, we can say, oh, them, them kids like each other. Yeah. But it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. These, two, these two boys that are really, really close to each other, that we would probably say, like, oh, they're together. Mm-hmm. That's nothing different in their world. Mm-hmm. We see this little heavyset little kid, little kid, dressed as a mermaid, little mm-hmm. boy, like, mm-hmm. swimming up and through the thing. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's a organic part of the world is something that's accepted something that's understood and we keep on pushing mm-hmm. and that's something that I think that we need to be able to incorporate into these shows like into this media we get we need to normalize normalize this difference and stop putting this to the point where this is something that oh my god we need to be afraid of oh my god this is a bad guy or this is something mm-hmm. strange unusual. Mm-hmm. this is just a part of the world this is just a part of the space that they live in and you know what it's cool it's okay yeah no no i'm, I'm with you a thousand percent um and and much to your point though the representation kind of sort of skewed towards black people i think that because this show is just about fuck kids at a freaking creek and you get so many types of characters because I know the what is the two boys from from the other um, side of the creek, the some name is Raj. I know that. Um, what are they with the capes? Um, oh, you what they called the honeysuckle. The honeysuckle bo- keep rangers. Yeah, that boy is he Indian? The skinny one. Yeah, because his name is Raj. 
So, and then even uh, Kelsey, I don't, and this this goes back to what I said before, where I'm not sure if as an adult I'm projecting this onto her or if this is just how it is. But to me, she seemed a bit queer when I first saw her. But then I was like, you know what? She might be just a tomboy, a little heavy set tomboy, rolling around with the, with the fellas. But I don't know, and I'm not a, I'm not assigning a sexuality to her for any romantic reasons. I'm just thinking as far as representation is concerned. I don't know that I've seen a little white girl like that really at all. And it, now, it may, it may be some out there that I'm just not remembering at this time, but I can't really recall a, a short, kind of stumpy, fantasy addict little white girl hanging out with these I, I can't recall that. Um, the Witches, who, side note, are... One of my favorite podcasts, my favorite murder, are my, two of my favorite white women. I don't give a fuck. These these motherfuckers, Georgia and Karen, bruh, when I, I, for some reason, I feel like I knew they were those characters, but when I listened to their voice, I was like, hold the fuck up. I, 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 I paused and replayed so many videos, and once I saw, but that's neither here nor there. They're very... Queer, they're very. Mm. Now they, now they, they, no, no, they, they together. Okay, okay, because <laughs> I. Was... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. they was making out the dark. They gay. <laughs> okay, there we go. Because the scenes that I saw, I was very interested in. Um, one storyline in particular where, and I forgive me, I don't recall their names, but the thin one, I think maybe she was a year older than the other girl, because she kept sneaking out and doing things to get her grounded and the other girl the thicker girl was like well why are you doing this like i'm not going to be able to see you if you keep getting grounded if you get caught out here by your dad and she's like well i'm going away to school next year if if i don't come on to see you now i'll never see you that was such a touching that was one of them things where i feel like if you're just watching it and you you are not queer you're going to see that that might make you that might make you raise an eyebrow, but you you I think you'll also fall back on well they're kids they're, she's going to miss her friend. But if you are queer, that that jumps out to you like oh I got this is the friend this is my really good friend this is my close close friend <laughs> this is my love fires everywhere friend like this is <laughs> that's what this is and I and these are two little white girls. I, I was invested in what the hell they had going on, and this show is what maybe eleven minutes. This show is not that long. Yeah, it's one of those like shows that air in like that fifteen minute time slot. Yeah, I had no idea. I'm old school. I'm thinking either twenty six minutes or what is it forty five? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like I'm. That's what I'm used to. So when I saw this. I'm like, I don't watch five episodes in under 45 minutes. And, you know, so, um, but yeah, I, I don't think you would see that if this is early nineties, you know, mid nineties, late eighties, you're not seeing that unless it's a butt of a joke. You you can keep pushing. You would see this in early thousands. Mm, mm, Yeah. Late thousands. Yeah. this is a very recent development. Like this is something that's really that's really just now we're starting to see really sort of branch out. Where we're seeing shows that are acknowledging that hey, not all kids are straight. Yeah. Yes. And oh my God, that is so important. And again, going back to people who who want to bitch and complain about it, 
look at yourself like if you're a heterosexual cisgendered person who loves other heterosexual cisgendered people imagine if that was taken away if if you just have to this is twilight zone and the world is opposite and to be gay or queer is the norm can you imagine wanting to ask the girl to prom but no you're gonna get stone thrown at you you're gonna get your, your dress or your suit ripped up you're gonna get like it's or even if none of that happens the emotional stress that you'll have to get put through just to take this girl to prom mm, i don't know I just I'm I'm happy that we have these programs now where kids can watch them, can consume them, can see themselves in these programs, or even if they are not queer, can see other types of relationships and other types of people. So when they do go to high school, they don't have a fucking conniption because this little boy is a little bit effeminate and this girl is a bit butch for his taste. You know, I just yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's. It's so, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see, to recognize, you know, these sorts of changes. But I think we also like, but it's still so much that, that has to be fought. Like still so much, so much of a struggle just to get this. Um, Cause I'm thinking about, you know, one of the first shows that I saw, mm-hmm. that I heard about that actually really took the chance to try to represent not just, um, not just queer couples or you know queer folk, mm-hmm. but also like talking about non-binary folk mm. was going to, to Steven Universe. Okay, come on. And you know this, in a way, I guess you can kind of say, kind of serves as a precursor for a lot of these shows we mentioned from yeah. the Kipos and things of that sort, because they put it all on the line. Yes, you know, they. <laughs> yes, you know, they pretty much went up to bat to have. A lesbian wedding on yes. the show. Okay. A character that is literally the embodiment of a gay relationship. Mm, like, come on. You're, you're talking about, you know, a show that creators have done a lot for people being able to say that, you know what, hey, that's me, or I can have a better understanding of who I am because I'm seeing this play out on screen. And on the flip side, you have people who can say, I have a little bit more understanding of what it means to be different or to not be that it, because I'm starting to see this being played out. You know, wrapped up in an extravagant storyline um, about space rocks <laughs> and invasions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm still getting to see this sort of, I'm still getting to see this representation. I'm still getting to see these people living their lives. Steven Universe. Yes, yes, yes. Is so fucking phenomenal. Let me tell you how. I remember when um, ads for this show started running, like this new show that was coming out, and I never got into it. I started to see, I watched an episode or two here or there, and I understood that there was something special here. Much like the rest of us adults, life got in the way, and my priorities shifted so steven universe though i always wanted to watch it was never made it to my top five list of things to do i watched one five minute scene less than five minutes to be honest because the video was five minutes but the scene was like four and i was so emotionally invested in these characters that 
I'm kicking myself for not having watched Steven Universe when it was coming on live with everyone else. Now, I'm still going to go back and revisit it, but one scene of four minutes of animation, there may have been like one scene change. Like they may have been in the house and then went to the beach. And within that, oh my God, like how can you, mm, Steven Universe is one of those shows that the animation is very much childlike. The colors are beautiful. The shapes and silhouettes. And that's something you really look for is shapes and silhouettes to make things more identifiable. Um, the voice acting. The writing is stellar. The storylines are freaking amazing. Um, this is probably a spoiler, but again, you know, deal with it or skip ahead. But Garnett being Sapphire and Ruby... I didn't watch the show from start to finish, so I think that was a big reveal when it came that that she was those two people. <laughs> I, yes. I fucking look. I've watched. Um, I think Steven and everyone else was like stuck on a ship and they couldn't get through this electric shield, and he got through. And watching Ruby and Sapphire's relationship, watching Ruby anxious, excited, anger. And, uh, and um, Sapphire is so demure, so calm. And I like that, to me, even though I think Steven may be white, I bring up his race only because it, for somebody who's so black pride, it doesn't really freaking matter. Like, and I only, looking at his dad, it was leads me to believe that he's white. Um, but there are so many shades of so many different people on this show, just from the literal gems being yellow, pink, blue, green or whatever, Amethyst, very butch, uh, um, uh, what's his human, human friend, I think she's Indian, um, the dark girl with the, with the long black, like, yes, that's it, you, how can you, I don't, I don't, how can you walk away from this show not having felt nothing, even if this isn't your thing, you, you can't walk away from it and be like, I don't see why people like that, and see, and that's, and that's, and that's one of the one of the most interesting things when people try to say that you know all oh, these shows are just agenda driven or they are just you know they're just here to push forth um, a narrative what what have you. What people don't recognize is that nine point nine times out of ten, <laughs> these shows that have they take the time to really put together honest and uh, fruitful representation. Mm-hmm are far more well-written than these shows. They pretend like mm-hmm. real people don't exist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's just on period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the fact that they have... Because, because it's because of the narrative they have to push back against. It's because they know that they have to humanize these characters because there are going to be people that are going to write them off automatically mm-hmm. because they are queer. Yeah. So they have to use their time wisely. They have to use the space that they have. They have to use the effort and the energies that they have to create characters that create that kind of emotional reaction yeah because i know ex- i know exactly what scene it is you're talking about and during that time i wasn't watching steven universe live so i i binge you know all of those episodes um at once and i can remember just the emotion that just being felt from just that simple scene just mm-hmm. seeing ruby and sapphire's reactions to each other yeah and then seeing them you know become gone and so kind of getting an idea like this is why gone is the way that she is you don't get that unless 
you are really trying to make these into full fleshed out characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, and you're writing this, you're doing this, you're trying to flesh out these characters again in these eleven minutes that you have. Yes, Lord. <laughs> because you know that you're fighting an uphill battle. And this just again goes back to the to this idea that oh these are just you're just putting these in here just to fill a quota or you're doing this just mm-hmm. just to shake up the table or just because or what have you. Mm-hmm. No, these people are creating stories. These yeah. people are creating characters. They're creating worlds that can easily get you invested if you put your bigotry and the hatred and all that other bullshit to the side. For yeah, eleven freaking minutes, man. Rebecca Sugar is a non-binary. Well, they what what is listed is that Rebecca is a non-binary person. I'm not sure how they identify in this moment, but that's from Wikipedia. Again, I say when you have kids who watch and consume media and they grow up, they become the adults who create this same media. I write books and I have a lot of characters who are queer. I have a lot of characters who are bi, pan, whatever. Hell, my whole podcast is based off of representation in comics and related media. That is the hill that I die on. I was once a kid watching these shows with very little representation. And now you have this era of children and people in general who can consume these stories and these shows. Like, how many times can we get blonde-haired, blue-eyed savior or all cis-heterosexual kid playing in, kid or adult in their workspace having this drama. It's it's boring. It is. It's boring. That's just the truth. We've we've seen that. We've seen it too much. We've seen every bit of that. We've seen every iteration of that. Mm -hmm. That's just a very point-blank truth. Yeah, like it's 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 to it's to the point where it's like, how many times can I see this same story over again? Mm-hmm. It's been something you know. We talk we talk about this something we've seen when we were kids. Mm-hmm. It's something that our parents saw. Whatever. Yes, yes, like, yes. It's, it's we're beyond that, and we're to the point where you know we in the age that we are, we are you know able to start to create this media. But I am excited. I am ecstatic mm-hmm. to see what happens. What you know? What my kids, what my nephews, mm-hmm. and um, people after them are going to be able to have, mm-hmm. because you have future creators that are growing up with the Keepos, with the Steven Universes, mm-hmm. with the Craig of the Creeks, with all of these things mm-hmm. that where they're seeing the fullness of themselves represented, and they're seeing themselves represented in numerous ways. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I mm-hmm. can't wait. To see what no, yeah. Same. And some of the shit I might not understand when I'm 50. Just like some 50-year-olds don't understand now. But... but you know what? I'm going to pull up the Google that's going to be that. attached in my head. That. <laughs> no, yes. That, and, and, and I think another thing to um, kind of bring up Craig of the Creek again is that you get a lot of different types of black people in this show. Now, there are a lot of TV shows and web series stuff that are doing that, which is great. Kudos to them. But I don't think I've ever seen a cartoon with a fully fleshed out black family where you are allowed to be more than just this stereotype. You got Craig, who's a bit sensitive. He's a little kid. He's hanging out, having fun. You got his older brother, who is very much... I think he's kind of... Um, Ooh, I was about to say, no, that's that's not right. Um, he's he's what you would, I think, a token black boy. 
I think, in, in another show where he, the cast is predominantly white. You have his mom. Is his sister a Howard grad or a Hampton grad? Who, which one of them had that A2 sweater on? Was it the mom or the... That was, that was the mom. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Howard just because. <laughs> it was just the H.U. sweater. Okay. But you, you get you get these little touches of things that because the creative team clearly is black or has parts of blackness in it, you get these little details that are like when Khadija James wore a, um, a Spelman sweatshirt back in the day or Martin Lawrence wore a Gremlin jersey. You get these details that are not lost on these black kids, that are not lost on these people, and they are v- different varying degrees of blackness where it's not just this hyper-masculine, dark-skinned, angry man or this um, um, poor black family dependent on this white savior or this um, very effeminate nerd type who gets pushed around like you get. I don't think I've ever seen a character like Craig from Craig of the Creek. A black boy allowed to just have fun and be sensitive and cry and be smart and have friends that don't always look like him and enjoy gardening with his grandpa and just... I'm, I'm, I'm convinced I am convinced that the people who made who um, model creates mom Nicole I am convinced that these people have a camera it's like and and like you said it's the it's the it's the authenticity like we we see there's an episode where Craig and his little sister they end up going on an entire adventure because mm-hmm. you know why their mama went, went, went to the beauty, to the beauty salon. <laughs> and she was some braids, so they was there all day. Yes, <laughs> Lord. Like, yes. There's another episode where some, like, um, where one of Craig's friends' parents comes to the house and they come there too early in the morning. And the mama walks up with her hair wrapped, mm-hmm. with, her, with the blanket wrapped around her, basically, mm-hmm. why are you in my house? Yes, yes. <laughs> like, these are the things that only come from, you know, having a, um, from having that sort of plethora of mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I, I will say that this show, it was, I know it was created by two white guys. Two white guys came up with the idea. Okay. But the writers, mm. I've seen, I follow a bunch of the writers on on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. The voice cast. Yes. Oh. The conversation. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Voice cast, the people who do some of the animation. Mm-hmm. All black. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, again, just goes to show you that we have different experiences. And when you give people the space, even as someone, you know, who's in a position of privilege, someone, you know, who's somebody white, someone who's um, cis head, mm-hmm. when you give people the space to be their full, authentic selves, to bring their perspectives mm-hmm. to these platforms, you come up with beauty. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself because I would challenge you to put Craig of the Creek up against damn near any other cartoon and see who come out on top because again I watched four or five episodes of an 11 minute show and was fully invested much like Steven Universe well I don't don't know them two I don't know if they went head to head I don't know but <laughs> but it's 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 there. You're not losing anything, especially for the intended audience. You're not losing anything. You're gaining. You're gaining more than what you're lose what you supposedly are losing. 
Um, I don't know. Uh, Benson from Kipo. Uh, you got now. When it comes to Wolf, I'm I'm not necessarily hesitant to speak on her, but I think you can't. It, during season one, and you correct me if I'm wrong, did it seem like she, like, okay, Kipo was her found family, but did it seem like it was a attraction, or was it just like, this is my big sister? I, I think that the, I, I think that the latter is what they were going for. They were going for found family, they were going for best friend, they were going for, you're the first person to care about me, mm-hmm. ever. Okay. I think that's what they were going for. But I, I think that may be because us at our big age <laughs> are so used yeah. to, to read between the lines that um, that we may see something that maybe the people didn't necessarily intend. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, that's I mean, that's that's a, because I'm with you. I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, is are we leaving to Yeah. But, um, but I, I think that's what it is because, you know, having seen the rest of the second season. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, I think they were going for just a found family thing. Okay. But again, when you spend 20 odd years having to look for breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and another thing I want to, I want to mention or a, a point of, um, whatever, is that though I am not a queer woman or a woman at all, I get just excited seeing instances like that where they are explicitly lesbian or non-binary or just the spectrum having women on it. I get just as excited. Don't think because I'm a male and I'm queer that all I want to see is queer men and folks on cartoons and TV shows. That's not... that's. I get excited seeing that there's more out there. I love seeing Asian representation on TV, even though it's far different from sexuality. I like when there's an Asian male lead. I like when there's an Asian woman doing regular shit and she's not the comic relief or the um, quiet friend or the over-sexualized geisha-type woman. I still get excited seeing that, so don't think because I'm black, male, and queer that that's the only type of representation I want to see. I want to watch a show where motherfuckers are speaking in Spanish and I don't know what they're saying, but they don't translate it for me. That I have to do the work. I gotta go, go find the subtitles and put on the that, like, Because it, it only makes you like it. That's why when I watch anime, which, whatever, I always have subtitles on. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Sub versus dub. <laughs> I have my subtitles on. And it's not just to, um, even if, if it's dubbed or not, I still have subtitles on. It's just how I watch TV. Because I like to. One, names. Names is the biggest reason I started because they'll say a name on a show and it might not be clear. The person might say it fast or I just want to be able to see that name on screen and know that this is that person. That aside, I, I need to read. I need to know what I'm looking at. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it, it, it makes me think of, an, of, uh, of another another show that actually kind of fits into this mm-hmm. uh, drive-by thing. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about um, The Dragon Prince. Yep. Uh, like you know, they ha- they also have their queer characters. They are somewhat to the side, but they still have their queer representation. But speaking to this, they have a character who's deaf. Mm, yes, oh, I'm with sign language. They don't put not a nary a subtitle up there at all. Like, oh, what you got to go do, use some googling at and all. go figure out what it is that she's talking about. I fucking. Lo- 
let me tell you when when okay when I watched season one and this motherfucker popped up and she hadn't spoke yet was whooping ass and when this motherfucker started doing sign language oh I was through the roof I had to go back and replay that whole scene cause I'm like oh she's <sighs> Yeah, she she's definitely my favorite. I'm, I'm gonna say, um, bad ass. Oh, <laughs> that's fame. That's fame all day. Yeah, I'm 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 for it. I'm fucking I'm freaking for it. So I, yeah, but go ahead. But she did it for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, these are the type of things like this. This is what this is what we're talking about. These are the type of reactions you get when you have you know representation. You know, we're talking primarily about about you know having that sort of representation to combat a lot of misrepresentation and misconceptions mm-hmm. about groups of people but it really goes across the board yeah and I think probably the overarching thing is that we cannot we cannot we cannot we cannot what we're talking about representation matters and you know this is the first step towards dismantling you know supremacies when we're talking, we're fighting for this representation. We're saying that we need more of it. We cannot, cannot, cannot forget that it's for more than just us and our big grown ages. Yes. We also need this for our younger audiences because these are going to be the people that really start to get the moving and the shaking. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, us, we are, we stubborn. We, a lot of us are set in our ways. But when you start to show this to people who are still developing, who are still learning about the world, who are still, yeah. still learning about themselves, that makes a world of difference because now you're exposing them to more of the world. Mm-hmm. Exposing them to sign language. You're forcing them to have to understand subtitles to you know pick up on names. Mm-hmm. You're forcing them to understand that no race of people, no ethnic group is monolithic. Yeah. You're forcing them to understand that, hey, if you don't think that you're necessarily straight or necessarily cisgender, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not alone. Yes. That's the that's the big part for me. You are there are others like you. There are others with similar experiences, adjacent experiences, this found family of it all. There's your biological family, so your your mama's good girlfriend who might have a trans son. Like there's so many that's why when th- when news like the Zaya Waves come out it warms my heart. Not because I'm a hundred percent invested, but because I know there are people in Zaya's age range who know her and people who do not, who are going to be forced to deal with what she represents just by nature of being like, so it's inescapable just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's we all exist in our little bubble. So a lot of times there's echo chambers with our social media um, and that could be a good and a bad thing, but I'm hoping that through this representation becoming more that I don't give a damn about changing nobody's mind about how you feel. You can feel how the fuck you want to feel. But my thing is do not fuck up somebody else. Do not. It, it too many times we get a pulse nightclub shooting. We get an Andrew Shepard. We get so many so much backlash from simply being that this cartoon that should be harmless is so hmm, political it's so weighted it's so important because 
the world ain't giving you Benson from Kipo and uplifting this character. The world's giving you, oh, that's a fag. Oh, you gay. Fuck you. You not a man. They're not, or they're giving you this. And again, this, let it be known. I'm not, I'm not against any feminine nothing. Men especially. But they're giving you this. This is the caricature of how gay looks. This is what it's supposed to be. This is something to laugh at. This is something that's a tokenized. This is something like it's, and I just wish there were more shows and characters that were explicit with getting out that this person is trans, this person is bi, this person is gay, pan, and what have you. I could care less. No, no, let me not say that. I still want these same stories that we get from the heterosexual counterparts, but I want them to be done tastefully. I think there's room for having a trash show because, you know, everything can't be great. Hell, Empire, there's that. <laughs> like, it's as trashy as it is, I think it's very important to the entire lexicon of black cinema and black TV shows, though I, I don't think it's top tier. But there is that campy trashiness of it all. Let's have that as well. That being said, give me more Kipos. Give me more Dragon Prince. Give me more Craig of the Creek. Give me more. Give me more Steven Universe. What you, what you said about that caricature is really important. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Because you can because you can have a quote-unquote masculine caricature. You have the DL thug that goes Oh, God, yes. Somebody say beating up everybody because they may find out their secret. Yeah. So it, really doesn't, it doesn't matter whether the character is coded as masculine, coded mm-hmm. as feminine, feminine. They can still be a caricature. Yeah. And we don't want that. We're past that. We, yeah. We get along past that. Because even, even if you have this sort of quote unquote stereotypical um, type of character archetype mm-hmm. you can still make them a full character yeah absolutely absolutely um, I don't I don't know I just I want more um, I guess with the road that we're on from childhood to the I ain't gonna say plethora but the many shows that we have now where do you see 10 12 years from now cartoon animation whatever like do you even have an idea of what that could look like well i, I want to see myself on the animation <laughs> <now>. come on <laughs> come on but uh but no like i want to see like of course like i said word for the day is more um but something that i really want to see i i think that we're making good progress with the characters who are on sort of like the queer spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, be they, you know, gay, lesbian, bi, pan, what have you. I want to see that show, and I hope it doesn't take 10 to 12 years. Yeah. I want to see this show that has a tr- um, this kid, kid-friendly kid or kid-focused, kid-targeted show that has a trans main character. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what I, that's, that needs to be the next great frontier, I guess. Yeah. Like I, I need, I want to see that. I agree. Uh, so that's something that I really want to see, and I want to see, I want to see more queer main characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their stories aren't tragic. Yeah. Um, I want to see, you know, I want to see, I want to see a version of Craig of the Creek, where Craig, where Craig is flirting with this other boy. Yeah. 
Um, I like I want to see that. I want that to happen. I want that to not be so rare. Mm-hmm. I want that to not be something that seems like a pipe dream. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I agree with all that a hundred percent. Adding on to that, I would like to see more stories just like that, but with um different types of families and families having these conversations. Um, I don't think we necessarily need a whole bunch of I hate that you're gay, queer, trans, whatever, but I think that it would be important to have um have the family part of that as well because nobody is just queer and that's it you still have the baggage of family and family trauma uh same with trans hell even heterosexual people have their own fucking drama they carry into adulthood so i i would like to see something like that again a kid show a, a franchise or what have you where there is a trans character and being able to educate that way where they have a friend who don't understand well this is what this means i feel like this or i am that or this that i like to see a lot of our history that is word of mouth let's say via ballroom stuff like that um that hasn't been documented or documented well now being able to um have some tangible history for lack of a better term like the history books are written in the from the viewpoint of the victors there's a shit ton of queer black lgbtqai history that is not written or is not mainstream and i'd like to see that push forward um in a child family way because that is the like you said, we're grown and set in our ways. Kids are a bit more malleable. They're more, a bit more receptive to change. I just saw a video literally like before we started recording where there was a little boy. I want to say maybe Hispanic who was seven years old. And he was, it's like one of those YouTube. Um, yeah, where they tried this. Yeah. And they, they asked him like, he said, two years ago we talked to him. You didn't, you didn't think gay people were nice or something he said he was like well i was five then and i've read more and i've become more educated and now i don't think that way anymore and it's like man say because what you said that's how you clear it no but it's i was like come on little boy you better say that so i mean i just i want more like that and i want more people to not be so fucking afraid when it comes to this shit is always they use the oh watch out for the kids or oh the religious aspect. Everybody isn't religious, and you're not showing cartoons fucking on. T- that's I just I can't get past that. Nobody on Craig of the Creek is fucking. Oh man, um, I don't know, I don't know. That's 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 where I fall. Shit, listeners, what do y'all want in the next ten, twenty five, even two years? What are y'all trying to see on TV? Goddamn it. Um, I know I would love to honestly see a set of stories about queer people, icons, and whatnot. Like, say, a Marsha P. Johnson. I'd like to see what does a kid-friendly story. I know there's a lot of adult things with addiction and mental illness, but I'd like to see how do you how do you get that across so that that's not a lost history, so that people don't. Uh, getting to their 20s and 30s and then just now learning of this person. You know, so 
Yeah, that's that's where I am. I don't know. <laughs> Shoot. Um. So I don't know. What, what, what you got? Anything else for us? You got any questions, comments, concerns, other examples, shows, characters? I, I mean, well, you know, this is this is this is low key what I do. So I probably could could keep going for hours, but I'm not gonna do that to you on your show. <laughs> so, so no, I think I just 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 hammering home this idea that when we're talking about representation, we have to keep in mind a couple of things. We have to keep in mind the fact that no matter what age you're at, mm-hmm. what we see in the media affects our mindset. It affects how we understand people in the world around us. Mm-hmm. That's one. Two, we have to understand that kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. They understand oftentimes things a lot better than we do. Mm-hmm. Case in point, the little boy who was able to say that, well, then I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Now I do. So yep. I have grown. Um, and I think we need to get out of that habit of thinking that the media in and of itself is a suitable teaching thing. That, you know, once we have the representation or once you have the things on the television and the games and the movies, well, what have you, that the work is done, the fight is over. No, no. These things are a starting point. These things are a tool that we can use to then have conversations to mm-hmm. then start to change mindsets and then start to change policies and so on and so forth. Yes. So once you start with this representation once we start having these shows that we've talked about and the shows that we want to see we got to keep moving past beyond that and if you are not prepared to have that conversation if you're not prepared to do that teaching to do that work get the fuck out the way there you go there you go get the move bitch get out the way get out the way bitch get out the way yeah I I couldn't have said it better myself get get the fuck out the way um I don't know, y'all. Let me know what y'all think. What's your take on it? What's some of your favorite queer characters or representation? Differently abled um, queer characters, black characters, good TV shows, cartoons. Um, or not, because we listed a few. We got Kipo, Craig of the Creek, um, Steven Universe, Dragon Prince. You know, they're, they're more out there. Let us know. Uh, use that hashtag, CBN Pod or CBN LGBTQ. Um... I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm the hill I die on is representation. That's the hill I die on. Uh, and in this Pride Month, this 2020 Pride Month, good lord, 2020 has been a shit show. Um, I just hope that people do better, do better going forward. There's, there's no excuse. Golly. Um. Yeah. So that's that. Uh, please let these folks remind them where they can uh, find you on social medias and. And, and, and support your, your projects and whatnot. Yes, come find me on pretty much all social medias at Loose as a Deuce. That's L-O-O-S-E-A-S-A-D-E-U-C-E mm-hmm. on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those sorts of things. Then once you go find me on there, go follow to my links to go find my series where I have a lot of these characters that are in a lot of these positions and have a lot of these intersections that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So help, help me help you because, like I said, in about <laughs> 10 years, I want to see one of, my, one of my stuff on these <laughs> cultural platforms. And we can come back and have a conversation about come that. Come on. Come on. You better. You better. Uh, so, yeah, again, those links will be in the show notes. So please be sure to check those out and follow and share and retweet and support and all that. 
Uh, me, Carefree Blurred on Twitter, Carefree Black Nerd everywhere else, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. If you want to send in a voice note, you got some things to say, to discuss, any suggestions, or hell, you just want to say, hey, what's up? Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. Five stars, please. If you're going to rate it, give it five. Anything less, like... Keep it on the there you go. Keep it on playground. Anything less, keep it on a motherfucking playground. No. <laughs> so thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope to make this a continuous conversation. It should not stop here. And all you big brands that are reaching out and changing your your logos to black for Black Lives Matter and then for Rainbow just for Pride. Get it together, stupid. Don't let it just be this month. Don't let it be just this political climate that we're in now. Keep that shit going. Put your money where you Open your purse. Open your purse. Shit. <laughs> so, um, until next time, guys, you know, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. Happy Pride Month, Black Lives Matter, and I love you all. Um, and again, thank you so much to my wonderful, phenomenal guests, dropping all the gems, the jewels, and all that. Thank you, Marcus, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, y'all, until next time, I holla. <laughs>